Before we get to today's episode, I want to ask you guys for a big favor. Go ahead and follow or subscribe and leave a rating or review on this podcast. It goes a long way. It helps people find the show and it lets us know that we're doing something right. Okay, on to today's episode. You're listening to Making It with John Davids. What's up, guys? John Davids here. And on this episode, I'm going to do something a little different. So a lot of you know that I've been posting quite a bit to LinkedIn and Twitter. I've been doing it for a couple months now, and I'm loving it. And I'm so happy that my content is resonating with all of you. And one of the content formats that has really hit a nerve with people is when I break down these businesses that are kind of off the beaten path. So what I find really interesting is companies that have some interesting factor to them. So you can analyze a company like Google and Google makes a lot of money and it's a great company. And that's really boring in my mind. I don't want to see a case study about Google in 2022. We all know all there is to know about Google. But when I find a business that's making a lot of money with like one or two employees, or when I find a business that sells something at a super high price point, or when I find a business that is in a category where a lot of other companies are struggling and this one's doing super well, or when I find a business that's got a really interesting business model, those are the businesses I love to cover. And I love to talk about reverse engineering. What is the playbook that they used? So on that note, I wrote a story recently about a company, a one-man company pulling in $13 million a year, making the most basic software you've ever heard of. This hit a nerve. Millions of people read this story on my LinkedIn, on my Twitter. It was mentioned on other podcasts. I got DMs from friends saying, Hey, you're on this podcast, you're on that podcast. People were cloning and copying my story. Some of them gave me credit, some of them didn't. That's totally cool. My stories got millions of views and tens of thousands of reactions through comments and likes and whatnot. So what I thought I would do is I thought I would take that story today, dissect it for you. So I'm going to give you some background on it first. I'm going to read it out for you. And I'm going to give you a playbook beyond what I was able to give you on LinkedIn or Twitter. If you read the story, I'm going to give you more today in this podcast than you could get up by reading my posts. So let me start off by giving you the story. Okay. So I discovered this one-man company that pulls in $13 million a year selling the most basic software you've ever heard of. I was really curious. So I went full Sherlock Holmes to figure this out. Here's a story. The company is called Digital Inspiration. They make niche plugins for Google Apps like Gmail and Docs. And I'll tell you more about that in a second. They have millions of customers, tens of millions of users, and a lot of paying customers as well, including big companies like Disney and Uber. The founder is a guy named Amit Agrawal, lives in India. And Amit is the only employee. Maybe there are 10 or 15 or 20 other people that are there. But it looks to me like they're freelancers or part-time employees. It looks like they're not full-time employees. Okay. So Amit started as a tech blogger in 2004. And he built a big audience on his tech blog. And then at some point, he started developing these Google plugins. So Google extensions for different parts of Google. And the first one was an extension called Mail Merge with Attachments. Now, if you don't know what a Mail Merge is, basically, it's a simple way to send a bulk email and make it look like it's not a bulk email. Really important tool if you're sending out large emails, especially if you're sending them out for business purposes, because you want them to be personalized. 
You don't want to send a bunch of BCCs to a thousand people. So it's a really, really handy tool. I actually downloaded Mail Merge with Attachments probably five years ago. And then I went back just a, about a month ago to get it again because I've got a bigger company now and my team members need it. And that's what actually made me stumble upon digital inspiration. And that's why I found this story. And that's why I wrote about it. So it looks to me like he just used his blog, his popular tech blog, to promote this app. And that did really, really well. So here's the thing where here's a part where it gets interesting. You can download that plugin for free and upgrade to a paid version. And the paid version starts at $39. You can also get the $79 version. I get the $39 version myself. According to Google, this extension has been downloaded 7.5 million times. So if even 5% of the people that downloaded the free extension turn out to be paying users, they convert to paying through an upgrade, that's $1.5 million in annual recurring revenue. Now, a lot of people asked on my post, why did I take that number 5%? A lot of the time, if you download a free app, maybe the upgrade rate is only like 2%. The reason I think it's higher is because this is a productivity app. And not only that, it's a super specialized productivity app. So if you're downloading a mail merge extension for Google, chances are you're doing that for work or you're doing that because you have your own business. You're not doing that for fun. And the difference you get with the upgrade is the watermark goes away. It's not going to say at the bottom, powered by digital inspiration. And also, you go from sending 200 emails a day. I think the limit is like 1,500 emails if you get the upgrade. So it's a pretty great upgrade for 39 bucks a year. So that's why I think the upgrade rate must be more than 1% or 2%. It's probably 5%, maybe even 10% of the people that download the free app end up upgrading. That's how I got that estimate. He's got customers like Uber and Zoom. And those guys are paying probably for hundreds of licenses. So it's not 39 bucks. It's like 39,000 bucks or, or you know, some much bigger number. So this plugin, as I said, might bring in 1.5 million and might bring in 4 million or 5 million. I don't know. Okay, that's the first part of the story. Here's where it gets mind-blowing. Amit has developed 13 apps that are on the site today. He might have developed hundreds or thousands of apps. I don't even know. But there's 13 on digitalinspiration.com right now. There's a document management app that starts at $79 a year. It's been downloaded 6 million times. There's a notification app that starts at $39 a year. It's been downloaded 10 million times. There's a YouTube app that starts at $79 a year. It's been downloaded 8 million times. So I wouldn't be surprised if this guy's bringing in 13, 15, 20, 30 million a year because these are productivity apps. You're only going to download them if you really need it. And if you really need it, and especially if you can make it a business expense, why wouldn't you upgrade? So that's the story. Now, a few takeaways. Building an audience gives you massive leverage for customer acquisition. I mentioned he started as a blogger, built up a blogging audience in the tech world. So then when you go to launch a product, for techies especially, you've got a massive customer acquisition channel. There's riches in the niches. This is a really important one. Who would have thought that Google productivity apps were so lucrative? So I love the fact that the focus here is on something that is so, so specific, right? It's not like I'm developing an iPhone app. Okay, well, you and 5 million other people, right? Get in line. But Google extensions and specifically Google productivity apps, what a great niche to corner in on. 
Some businesses don't require a lot of employees or a lot of money to start up. This is a great example of that. And lucrative products don't need to be sexy. That's another really key takeaway here. Quick break here while I tell you about something really exciting I've been working on called the Business Essentials Kit. Here's the deal. I get asked all the time, John, how do you run your business effectively? What's the best way to build a website? How do I get a branded email? How do I save on legal fees? How do I manage my social media? So what I've done is I put a kit together for you for free. You can download it at johndavids.com with all the tools and services that I use to run my business. Get it right now for free at johndavids.com. So let me dive in a little deeper to each of these points right now. Okay. So I've done entire podcasts and entire write-ups just on the topic of leverage. And leverage in business is really, really critical. You've got to have some point of leverage, whether it's money leverage, information leverage, labor leverage, technology leverage. There's all kinds of ways you can utilize leverage. And in this case, the leverage that Amit was using was a couple. So there was obviously the audience leverage. Having a community, having an audience there is one point of leverage because he's able to acquire customers for basically no money. That's one point of leverage. The second point of leverage is that this is a technology product. So how do you run a one-person company that generates $13 million a year? Well, you do it by selling a tech product that is very low maintenance, very low temperature. It doesn't, you know, it's not an app that requires a lot of support or a lot of customer service. Super simple. You want to send out a thousand emails and have them be personalized. This is the app that does it. Pay me 39 bucks. You have the app, right? It's not very complicated. So the fact that the product and the customer acquisition are both super high leverage, that makes for a great business. Okay. The second thing I want to point out here, which I just kind of mentioned, but I'll mention it here a little more, is the audience slash community component. So I've been talking a lot and I'll keep hammering this because this is probably one of the greatest leverage points of our generation, which is community and your ability as a business owner, as an entrepreneur to build community. I don't care if you're a company that's making $5,000 a year, $500,000, 5 billion, makes no difference. Doesn't matter what scale you're on, you need to be focusing on community. Okay, I tell this to our clients at Influicity all the time. I say, you might be doing $500 million a year in sales, but if you're not focused on your community, you're missing a giant portion. Your customers need to be your tribe, they need to be advocates. Because if they're not, you're missing an opportunity to have an infinite customer acquisition channel. There is no better customer acquisition channel than happy customers. Because whereas you can measure your results running Facebook ads, you can measure your results with cold calling, with customer acquisition being customers who love you, you really can't even measure that because you could have one customer that's responsible for bringing on 20 customers, 30 customers, 50 customers. You're not going to get one Facebook ad that brings on 20 customers. That just doesn't happen. So building your community will help you in so many ways. And beyond that, even if you don't have a business today, I encourage you to start building a community in whatever you're doing, whatever you're passionate about. Communities are where it's at if you want to do anything relevant today. Okay, the next point I want to talk about is high-value niche. So this is another really key point that I didn't have time to get into. I talked about niches in my post. 
But high value niche is something that I think is underrated. So you could say, well, I've got a niche. I talk about fashion. Or I've got a niche. I talk about tech. Okay, that's great. But those are pretty mainstream, pretty competitive niches. When you get into high value niches, niches that are not that popular and don't need huge audiences to be valuable. So what am I talking about? Well, productivity software is a really important one. We just talked about that with Amit. Productivity software, heavy machinery, right? If you can think about heavy machinery, construction, building materials, building supplies, what does it take to build a city? What does it take to build real estate? Heavy machinery would be a really good high value niche. Anything in finance, investments, real estate, I just mentioned a second ago, real estate is a super high value niche. Aviation, I just did a post the other day about an aviation as a niche. So if you think about high value niches, if you want to focus on something and build up your community and build up your knowledge base and build up your own personal profile in a niche, think about high value niches. Think about a niche where every single customer is worth not $10, but $10,000, right? I've got a business right now where I operate in a niche where every customer to me is worth $100,000 or more. Okay? And so that's something that is so important to focus on because if you have a customer that's worth $100,000 to you, guess what? If you had 20 customers or 50 customers, you're doing tens of millions in revenue at that point, especially if you can grow them and expand that niche. I encourage you to focus on high value niches, not just any old niche. And then finally, Play where others aren't playing. This is a really important point that I think goes unspoken. You know, we talk a lot about competition. We talk a lot about getting ahead of the competition and, and, you know, being better than your competition and constantly innovating. And that's fine, but it's also exhausting. The greatest businesses play with no competition, right? Like if you think about the greatest business in the world, not that it's legal per se, but the greatest business in the world would be a monopoly business, you know, like, The telecoms of the 70s and 80s were great businesses. They were cash machines because you couldn't have another telecom, right? If you are a monopoly, if you are in a business where nobody else is able to compete for government reasons, regulatory reasons, financial reasons, whatever, those are the best businesses. Now, in a lot of cases, monopolies aren't allowed. But how could you build your own monopoly? How could you build a business where you have no competition? You're not playing where anyone else is playing. And maybe that means you don't go after the big guys. You know, you're not trying to build the next Apple, the next Google, the next Facebook, the next Twitter, the next Airbnb, the next Uber. You're not trying to do any of those things. You're trying to do something that nobody else is even thinking about and no one else is going to think about. And a lot of phenomenal businesses that you've never even heard of have been built doing just that. I'm researching a new story right now. I'll post it at some point in the next few weeks or months. And it's on a tiling company. So they make tiles. Tiles that you would put in you know, your kitchen or your bathroom or wherever you need tiles. And this company, which is a family business, does like $165 million a year in revenue. I've never even heard of them before today. I came across them when I was doing some research on something else. And it's like, okay, so they make tiles, right? They're not reinventing the wheel. They're not curing cancer. But they're making a product and selling it and probably have like a 75% gross margin and zero competition because they play in a niche. And I said tiles. It actually is more niche than that. It's not like any tile. They do a special kind of tile. 
But that's the kind of stuff that I look at and I say, wow, there's opportunity there for all the reasons. Combine leverage, community, high-value niche, and play where others aren't playing. And those are the really exciting businesses. I want to know what you guys thought of today's episode. And if you like these deep dives, these business breakdowns, let me know because I'll do more of them. Get me on Twitter or LinkedIn. My DMs on LinkedIn are a little tougher because I think you have to send me an in-mail. I'm sorry if you try to add me as a connection. I've got like 7,000 connection requests at this point. So go ahead and follow me. It's just easier. And if you want to DM me, Twitter is a much better place to do that. You can get me at Real John Davids. Let me know what you think. And I'll talk to you guys soon.